0: Welcome to Deep Dive Coaching for Creatives with me, Coach Cami. In each episode, I'll be covering the basics of deep inner work, the hardest and most important work you can possibly do for yourself. I have been where you are, stuck with self-limiting beliefs and an inner critic on overdrive, and no idea how to get past them. I've done this work on myself, for myself. I know how hard it is. But I want to make it easier for you and help you become your best self. You deserve it. Joining me today is my friend Kishan Parker. We met through Shared Connections, which is a great networking event out of Chicago. And I heard Kishan's story and I knew that I just had to have her on the podcast so that you can hear it as well. Welcome, Kishan.
1: Hi, Cami. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. And I am excited for our conversation and all that we're gonna get into.
0: I wanna talk about grief and loss and how your story informed how you show up for yourself today. Sound good? Sounds fantastic, let's dive in. So Kishan, you have been on an amazing journey so far. I have so much respect for what you have overcome and who you are today, not just because of it, but kind of in spite of it. Can you tell me a little bit about what you have been through to get to this point?
1: I will tell you, just the journey in itself has been continuously evolving, I would say. My story unfolds in just how I, I lost my parents really early, 15 um, for my mom and then 17 for my dad. We didn't have family that could take in all of us. All of uh, my parents' children were under the age of 18. And so we all kind of were split up. We all just kind of went to live with various relatives. So not only are we grieving essentially the loss of our parents, but we are grieving the loss of our community, of our neighborhood, of our friends, and all of these things. What I managed to do was I decided okay I'm going to finish high school and I went to to live with my cousin and so she's like well what do you think about college and I hadn't thought of it like I I mean just to be honest and I was like I guess I'll try it out see what it's about (laughs) I ended up going to college and things started to really pick up things started to look up I was excited about it and I ended up meeting Uh, Then he was, he was just a guy, but me and that guy ended up falling in love, getting married. And we start our careers together, have children. I mean, it's, it's really looking to be just one of those things. Well, okay, it was a rough start, but things are getting better. And then in 2016, I lose my husband. And so now I'm trying to navigate How am I going to raise our kids? What am I going to do? How am I going to rebound from this one? And I think I did fairly well. I I stayed on with the organization that I was a part of. Uh, My husband and I worked together for about nine years before he passed. And then I was there for another five years after that for a total of 15 years. And then my organization just, you know, they announced they're going to close. And so the option was, you know, you could go and relocate. Uh, and it was, I mean, literally halfway across the country. And I'm thinking, that's not ideal. <laughs> I, was like, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't see that. But what was really burning inside of me was the idea that things can change in an instant. And so what part of this can I create where I feel like I have some level of, of control where I could stabilize because stabilization is important to me. From that, I went on this journey of, personal development, leadership development, and all the things. And out of that evolved my business model around just that, helping individuals become the better versions of themselves. You know, I use that kind of as the pillar of foundation for everything that I do. And it's just been a phenomenal journey, but it all started with, you know, my own personal stories around what I'm telling myself about loss, what that means, and then what I want on the other side of that. And I was just like, I'm not sure where this evolutionary journey is going to land, but where it's leading, I'm all right.
0: with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that journey has proved more than once how resilient you are. Yeah. Did you ever oh. think as a, as a little kid that this would be what you're doing?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, earlier on in my childhood, I could remember, I used to love to play school. Right. And, and you know, my siblings, if they heard this, they would just fall out laughing because I love, we would just get home from school and immediately I want to go and I want to play teacher. I had to be the teacher. That was important. (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember just thinking, well, I don't really want to do that because all they do is stand up in front of a classroom and point all day. And so I was like, well, I love, (laughs) I love, fascinated by the criminal justice system. And I thought, well, maybe I could go in and just go into law school. And actually, that was one of my earlier majors when I went into college. I was majoring in liberal arts, which was designed and crafted around me going on to law school. And I had a professor and taking some of my earlier law classes and I was just, I wasn't understanding it. It just, it wasn't making sense. Just the need for critical thinking and analysis that evolve outside of just the moral compass of what you should do. I'm, I'm very firm on the moral compass. And he's like, I don't know if, if law school is, is kind of your thing. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was taken back by that because up until this point, nobody had ever told me what I couldn't do. It was more of the encouragement of everything that I could do. So it was like, it it was arresting to my, to my body. I'm just like, what do you mean? But I led with that. So I, I completely reshifted my major. I did writing and math because I love just math really. And writing just was like a no brainer. I was like, okay, well fine. It's not law, but what else can I create from this? And and as I'm, I'm reliving this, I'm like, that is really interesting how I, I never thought, it. I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. I never thought that I would be in a position to impact and reach so many. But as I reflect back, I know that that was always in the, in the background, right? I wanted to play teacher because I wanted to share things. I wanted to go into the criminal justice system because I wanted to make change. I wanted to make an impact. So all those things are showing up. It's
0: just not showing up the way that I thought it would. (laughs) Yeah. Have you heard the story of God's deaf waiters? No. So imagine you're sitting at the restaurant of life and you're looking at the menu and you're thinking, Ooh, there's some really nice things on here. I think I want to order some things. And you say, Hey, to the waiters and they can't hear you. They can't hear you. And you say, okay, well, I want I want the steak and lobster and, and a nice glass of wine and and maybe some vegetables on that." and maybe d- hello and they can't hear you. But once you get into action, deciding that this is what you want in your life, and you begin and you take action, the waiters say, aha, now we know what she wants. And they deliver you whatever it is you need, and sometimes in very, very surprising ways. Things that you could never have imagined that you needed say, for example, the loss of your parents or the loss of your husband, but you have taken action. And so the waiters bring you exactly what it is you need. Where does that come from? I have got to look. that up.
1: <laughs> I'm I not sure
0: I had attribution for that story. Yeah. My coach told me as soon as you take action of any kind, it's like the universe is conspiring with you to yeah. bring you exactly what you need in surprising and delightful ways.
1: I received that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take notes on just this very story. I'm telling you, it's gonna come part of a core pillar for me. That was that was moving because it's just you're right. I mean, the way things just and we think that it's random, but nothing is random. We know that it the way they just fall into place and just support you. The moment you, as you said, take action and decide that this is where I'm going, this is what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Because when you say you want something. It's just lip service. But if you've got skin in the game, suddenly you're invested. You have energy invested. You have skin in the game. You have skin in the outcome and things conspire to make it just so.
1: I love that. I love it. Yes, I
0: agree. So imagine little Kashan after school, playing school, being the teacher (laughs) and the waiters are going, you know. Teaching, that might be a thing, but mm, mm, I don't think so. There's more in store for Kashan because she's powerful, she's resilient, resourceful, smart, curious. Yeah, there's more in store for Miss Kashan. What surprised you the most about your resilience in bouncing back from these tragedies?
1: That is a really good question because. At the point of losing my husband, I remember just sitting and thinking, my God, this is too heavy. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I'm tearing up as I'm, I'm telling you this. And I could feel it. And I, I could, I could just feel the heaviness. And I remember my son just kind of coming in I don't know if he heard me just kind of crying or what it was that brought him into my room. And he says, "Mama, I want to say something. Can I can I talk to you? And I said, okay, of course, right? So fix myself up. Let me get in gear. And he says, I'm scared. I'm scared because I see you crying, because I see you hurting. I see you sad. And I don't lose you like I lost my dad and it was it was in that that i began to really make the decision that i'm going to i'm going to fight for this thing i'm i'm not going to let this get the better of me and i just started to take stock and evaluate what was going on around me how i was showing up and what was happening and the more i did that i was just amazed by the strength that was starting to, to just pour into me and that I think has been the most surprising part of this when I look back I can't even believe it sometimes I'm just like it nearly it. it I mean it was strong enough to break you and look at you like it's even stronger now it's like it defies logic I can't explain it but I feel it And I trusted enough to know that I am one, I'm more loved than I think I've I've ever realized. And two, I'm covered. I am so covered in, in what is happening. And for me, that provides safety. You know, and the thing that I've learned in this is when you're so used to everything just kind of being shaken up and moving around, the first thing that you lose sight of, is your sense of safety, your sense of stability, right? And what I've garnished is that there is safety still to be found, even in the most uncomfortable spaces and places. And I, I guess just the reflection of you never know how far you've come until you know, until you've just taken that journey. You don't you don't really know. You say, I can't do this, I can't go through this. Mm-hmm you really don't know until you start to take the walk. You don't know until you start to take the journey. And that's just been so powerful for me when I look back and I say, look at you go. And I know what it took. I know you know, just where I was. I used that moment because that was really the, the turning point for me of being just completely empty and depleted and just really at, at rock bottom. And my baby said, no mom, <laughs> we, we kind of need you here. Come here. <laughs> How old were your kids at the time? So, at the time, my twins were 11 and my youngest was 18 months.
0: Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That's insane. Wow. So, I want to point out something that you said that maybe listeners can relate to that you were in the grief, you were completely overwhelmed by the grief. Mm-hmm. And when someone pointed out that they needed you, you found the reserves of strength you needed to take care of someone else. When you started focusing on someone else's pain is when you got stronger. That's
1: beautiful. Yes, that is, that is true. That is true.
0: So how do you take this journey that you've been on and help other people with it?
1: Oh my gosh, a number of ways. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I, as I, I always say that they're like cabinets. So if someone is, is struggling with just grief and loss, there's a cabinet for that. We can go in there and we can talk about it, at least to create the safe space. I'm very clear about the idea that I think anyone going through and ex- experiencing grief should um, seek out the professional resources because that was another one of those life changing moments for me. And I know that there's, there's work and there's skills and there's tools in that process that really help. But to feel like you have a safe space to unpack and to look at that stuff and to talk about it and say, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to admit that this thing ripped your heart out and you wasn't expecting it. Right. And that's helpful. And I think through sharing those parts of my story, it gives someone else permission to share theirs and to understand that it's it's something that happens in an event and you get to choose how you define it. And so I go out and I speak to widows. I go out and I speak to single parents. I go out and I speak to... Even individuals that have lost their, their careers where they've invested years and years and years. And now there's this grieving process when that is no more and you're having to make that transition. And then the other part of it is the re- redefining, which is my favorite because I find that grief, it focuses on the loss. The redefining focuses on the, the reinvention. I'm here. What can I create? And that's, that's such a fun, spot to be in because it it allows you to to take whatever it is that you have and, and that you're working with and really see from an empty slate, this is what I want to create. I don't want to necessarily focus on what I can't change. I can't change the loss. I can't change what has happened then, but I doggone sure can pick up this brush and start to paint some amazing things now out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another cabinet. That's what, That's been the the central core focus of how I show up to help. Again, I create the space to talk about the grief. But then my next thing is, what do you want to do? What do you want to create? How do you want this to show up for you in your world today? And we create some amazing things.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a difference between a fixed mindset that says, I can't do this because I don't have this or I don't have him or her. And it's focusing on on the loss. But when you... When you can like you said reframe it and focus on what you do have and what is under your control then creativity is activated and curiosity is activated and instead of saying i can't do this i wonder what what might i create with my life what might i create with my career or my skill set yes after this journey and after you decided okay i'm going to help people get over this hump how fulfilling has that been for you?
1: Oh my gosh. I just got chills thinking about it. It is so fulfilling. The moment that I stepped into this journey to decide, okay, I'm going to do the best that I can to serve. It was more like, as I touch, I'm also touched. So it's it's like this never ending reservoir of, of healing, of nourishment, of gratitude, of appreciation for all of it. I think that's, that's been the, the outstanding piece of it. I can respect and understand each and every one of those situations, not from a sense of for only, but as in thank you. Because I'm not sure this version would ex- have existed or come forth under any other circumstances. So thank you because she is absolutely amazing. And it is through that, that I show up and I'm I'm listening to these amazing stories. I'm hearing these wonderful people just start to step in their power. And then I get to tap into just a little bit of what I have and just Really nudge them forward if they're on the fence. I love those. Those are my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, And the ones, though, that are just, they're they're afraid. You know, I'm just like, Sean, you remember that. You remember when you were just, you couldn't hardly walk because you couldn't see it. You know, how can you reach them? And it's so filling. It is, it's a blessing. It is a blessing. I mean, it really is.
0: Yeah. What do you wish that most people knew before they came and talked to you? I think
1: the thing that I wish most people knew is that there is no right or wrong. There's a lot of guilt and regret and shame and, oh, I wish I had and, oh, if I would have and, oh, I should have. And we spent a lot of time just kind of unpacking that space to allow for permission for the process. And my favorite question is, Would anyone know this version of you had that been different? And all the time, every single time that answer is no, it's like, so you needed it. You, you know, just no guilt, no shame, no regret,
0: no second guessing, just acceptance. Yeah. It's radical acceptance without judgment.
1: It is. It is.
0: What do you wish people knew about you? before meeting me yeah
1: I wish that they knew and really understood the process that it has taken to get to this version. I am talking years and years and years of continuously falling down. I, I think the one thing that I've come across is you know we have this superperson effect when we go through things and it's like, it costs something to get here. It's a process. I had those feelings. I had the feelings of guilt. I have the feelings of shame. And even today, there are some moments that you catch me on the right day at the right time in the right space that I'm just sitting with myself, like, and I'm, I'm missing, I'm missing moments never had. I'm missing experiences never shared. I'm missing just the thing. So it's a very real space, but I I think that we sometimes get caught up in the idea that it has to be this quick switch that mm-hmm. you just flip and automatically it's better. <laughs> How's that working? Is what I say because it's not
0: the case. It's never the case. <laughs> it's never the case. It's never the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that inner work time and effort and struggles and setbacks, and it's not a, a switch that you can just flip on and off. It's it's work. Yes. And I think that when we carry the
1: notion that it is an easy fix, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's
0: disrespectful to the process. And to the person going through the process.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, allow it again. And in my case, it's the spaces where you're talking about loss. I don't want to disrespect any part of it because that was a real person that when they left, it created a real void. And I needed to feel every part of that. I needed to feel every bit of what came through that. Even in terms of creating the business model, that I've created. I had to grieve losing my job. I I mean, those were people, those were friendships. The, you know, that routine was solid. It would it, it was, it was established. The stability of the paycheck was nice. <laughs> that <laughs> can not be you, denied. <laughs> yeah, there's a grieving process that where you really have to come to terms with your new sense of reality. And, that is a process in itself that should be respected should be appreciated for what it is because everything that comes out on the other side is beautiful
0: yeah what's the lesson you find yourself teaching the most about grief or loss
1: that there's nothing that you could have done to change it yeah that was one of the first lessons that I learned, especially with my husband. I went through the the will of, oh, I shouldn't. I I should have gone. I should have driven. I should have called. Just so we have context here, my husband was involved in a fatal car accident, mm. and um, he was coming home from the gym, and he just never made it home. He had a an epileptic seizure coming home from the gym, and I'm thinking if I had called him, just. 10 minutes earlier he would have come home and the, the idea is like how would you have known and coming to the realization that that wasn't mine that was all about him and his journey and and yes i am the recipient of his loss of, of what has come through that but i couldn't change that i didn't write the script yeah. and i think that's the thing that i i find myself going into a lot of roles talking about i always the, the feeling that I could have done something differently and it would have drastically changed the outcome. Yeah. And I don't know that that, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think life is creative. It would have found a door entryway if that was supposed to be your thing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just one of the harder lessons that you have to come to grips with is you're not in control as much as we think we are usually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's no real life control Z. Yeah. Yeah or Command Z. There's there's no quick undo. And and taking your husband's loss as an example, if you were to have called him and said, you know, you, you don't sound just right. Why don't why don't I just meet you there? Or or if you would have gone with him to the gym or any any number of other things, think of how different your life and and directly as a result you would be so radically different now. So it sounds like you have gleaned all the pearls from that experience. I wouldn't be doing this. (laughs) Yes absolutely. Do you think a lot of people miss gathering the pearls from the the wisdom from those experiences of loss and grief? I know it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do without any self knowledge, you know, without any self self awareness or socialization. Is it possible?
1: I think the answer to that question is yes, it's possible. But I think the the true reality is with our ability to have access to so much It's almost like one of those fail-safe, you know, when you go through loss and you go through grief, there's almost always a resource. And so you have to, you have to kind of intentionally be trying not to get it at this day and age, as opposed to it not being available, right? We are very fortunate in a sense that everything in, in terms of a resource, I mean, we have so much available to us if we just go through our phones. Social media is great in that sense. I mean, there are so many communities that you can go to be a part of where essentially you don't even feel that alone anymore after going through whatever your trial is, let alone just being absent-minded as to the education of it. So I think it has to be the idea that someone has to consciously not be seeking to gain the pearls of wisdom as opposed to it not being available. I think it years ago, you know, would the same be true? Probably not. You know, you probably think, okay, I missed some gems or some things that I I had to pick up later in life. But this day and age, no, I don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know I went through, I had a very, very traumatic childhood and I was molested. I was neglected. My father, my mother and father divorced when I was, let's see, the divorce was final when I was eight. But they had been separated for years and years and years before that. And we moved every year. And then I was raised with a half brother who was 10 years older than me, who was horrible. And um, most of my trauma, my childhood trauma, came from him in my life. But having gone through all that, even as bad as it was, I wouldn't change it because I have gained all the wisdom and the strength and the resilience and the lessons and the pearls, everything from that. And I can relate to people on a much deeper level when they know, yeah, I've been through some garbage. I've been through some shit. I'm not talking from having a silver spoon in my mouth, you know, from, from poverty to, you know, abandonment issues to everything. I've been there. Yes. Like I was saying in our earlier conversation about vulnerability, opening the doorway to human connection. I think your story is very vulnerable and it opens the door so people can say, oh, you understand me. Oh my God, maybe you can help. Yes. Beautiful. So for a listener who's thinking, well, how do I know if I still have maybe unresolved grief? What would be some telltale signs that maybe they have some, something that's not yet processed in them?
1: Okay, so I have two answers for that question.
0: Okay. The first being,
1: I think that grief is one of those things that is always present. And I don't know that there's this this period in which it ends. And then those studies and research and all those things will tell you about the stages of grief and the cycles and that those are very real. And I don't dispute any of that. But I also believe that all it takes is a, a memory. A smell, Mm. Uh, you know, just a a familiar, something familiar to your psyche that just re-triggers that whole process and it's very real. And so when I say that, you know, I don't think that it ends. It's just in that you live forever with the memory. I was just on a conversation with my oldest brother, uh, not too long ago, and we started talking about my dad. And we were just laughing and, and just remembering, but I could feel it. I could feel just the the idea that this conversation is bringing something to life about a person that's no longer here. And that came with his own bag of emotions and things to continue to process. So how do I know though that someone has grief that is unprocessed? I think it's, when you're experiencing those moments like the one i just shared with me and my brother talking and you find yourself where you're stuck in it so what was meant to be a light airy memorable moment has now left you where you are spiraling out of control or or maybe in control somewhat but you're spiraling on the other ends of that there's regret there's guilt there's shame and you start to experience some of those things that you're like Okay there's still something here that I got to dig out that I got to I got to process a bit more I got to come to an understanding about this thing and where I where I'm positioned in it but it's just it's an all ever evolutionary journey I think the thing that changes is the amount of time that you're stuck in it mm. um I yeah. think that it's it's a difference from when you're first talking about something or someone that you've lost and you're you're just you're trapped and you can't get out to when you're having a conversation and you're mentioning it, you feel it, and then you're just kind of right back in it. I think that's a different mm-hmm. spectrum, but you are still very much in the process of grief.
0: And it's also when it's fresh, when it's really hard to speak and say, I just lost my dad, or I you know, my husband just passed, or my wife just passed, whatever. And it's it's actually physically difficult for you to talk about those things. Or you start talking about them and then you're overwhelmed with emotion mm-hmm. when you don't have control over those emotions. How has this work informed your latest book?
1: Because the primary structure around my business is speaking, um, I'm very adamant about just sharing my journey in the hopes that it, it empowers someone else to embrace their journey. And so one of the things that came to me was an opportunity to participate in a collaboration. And so um, my very first book, Voices of the 21st Century, Women Empowered Through Passion and Purpose. And so when the opportunity came up, I was interviewed to just see why writing a book made sense and, and what it was that I thought that I could contribute to the body of work and I shared my story and I said listen I I said I am not sure what to do with this I haven't put much air to it other than just telling about the timeline of events." and the lady her name is Gail and she says would you mind sharing your story for me just a, a version of it and I said sure I'm glad you asked and so I told her my story and she says you need to be in this book you need to be in this book for so many different reasons, but primarily is the book is about empowerment. And I don't know, I can look, look at you the same way and not see empowerment just kind of woven all the way through it. And so I, I signed on with the project and that's what I did. I tell my story. I tell about each of these instances of loss in others. I tell about just the lessons learned and how I was able to ground myself and just decide that the loss doesn't get to be the starlight of my story. It does not. Oh, oh say that again. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the loss does not get to be the starlight of my story. I'm I'm so Dedicated to that because if I focus on what I lost, I I don't know that I gained sight of everything that I've gained. I've gained so much of a closeness with friends and family. I've gained so much of a closeness with myself and who I am and what I represent and the things that are important to me. And then from a business aspect, I know hands down, entrepreneurship would not have been in the cards. I just know that because I I know. The organization I was comfortable in. I didn't have any reason to change. And had my husband still been here, there's no way he would have said, okay, yeah, let's, uh, it's all right if we just don't take up another job and we just do whatever. He would have been like, okay, so what companies do we need to get our resumes into so we can hurry up and, and get restarted? Like, I know that's the truth. So, would I have ended here? Probably not. And I thought somebody might need that. Somebody might be looking at where they are, their life seems to be out of control. What can they do? And so I share my story so that someone gains permission to eventually grab a hold of theirs and share theirs.
0: Freaking awesome. Yes, girl. (laughs) How many times as women are we told to play it safe to not take risks and especially entrepreneurship are you sure you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur or how many times i was told in a day-to-day job kimmy just need to not care so much who gets told that would a man ever be told don't care so much No. no absolutely not. no so i work with a lot of people through ADP lists who have lost their jobs or who are applying for jobs and the, and the market right now is just screwy, but there is a sense of panic and grief and, and loss and, oh, Lordy, what am I gonna do? What bit of wisdom could you tell those people?
1: First and foremost, I start with permission. I always start with permission. It is okay to feel scared. It is okay to feel uncertain. And then I always pivot into, okay, so now what do you want to do? And I, that is such a powerful question because we don't consider it. We don't consider that we can, we can take it and really design something. And, and I know that for many, it's like, well, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. I'm at the front of that line, I think, sometimes when I'm like, it is not. It is not for the faint at heart. Listen, if you don't have grit in you, please don't come into this lane. This is not the one. However, with the skills, the tools, the talents, and your internal passion, what do you want to create, right? Where where does that, where do you see yourself? This opportunity showed up for you, and that's the way that I always position it. Even if you've lost your job, this opportunity presented itself. Go to the bank with it. Cash it in. Mm -hmm. Do something with it, even if it's fearful. And I think that when that conversation starts to happen, there's a shift that happens and says, okay, here I am. This is what I want to do. Oh, I think I want to go into, I had someone say they wanted to go in and be in, in the banking field or doing something in that. And I was like, well, what, what makes you want to do that? And they said, well, I just love managing other people's money. Okay. Who do you need to talk to then? right? Just gain you some information, start to paint that picture and then see where it takes you. And then Mm -hmm.
0: take the leap. Yeah. Because if you're just talking about it, (laughs) the waiters are deaf. (laughs) (laughs) The waiters don't see you in action. They're not going to deliver you anything.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Nice. And so often And this goes for the people I coach as well as the people I mentor. They just don't know what they want or they've been told what they want. They've bought it, but they don't really want it. There's no energy behind it. Someone once told me, and I thought it was fantastic advice, follow the energy. What are you excited about? What are you, what are you curious about? Follow that energy. Let it lead you where it needs to.
1: Yes. Yes. One of my favorite things to do. One of my favorite exercises and questions, I love questions, is what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, it's like, oh, wow. Well, I might, you know, and then the, the floodgates starts to open. And, and so you're like, okay, well, start to explore those things. What do you like about it? What's the thing? And it, it's sometimes that permission to go in there and dream, because we tell ourselves, Oh, you know, that stuff is for kids. The last time I was asked what I wanted to do, it was, I was like five years old. Why aren't you asking yourself that now at 35, 45, right? Continue to find out. But if exactly. at the end of the day is if you don't do a drag out or bring out the things that are valuable to you,
0: you have no one else to blame. Absolutely <laughs> no so one to blame. So true. And how often we, sit and stew over the whatever that's happened and think, oh, life handed me a, you know, a stinky fish. Now am I made with a stinky fish? That's I can't do this and I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, argue for your limitations. And sure enough, they're yours. You get the people. You get the people. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Why not argue for your potential? Why not argue for what you're curious about? Why not argue <sighs> for step one? One tiny baby step, what if? And then that's a loaded question, what if? What if that first step is successful? When? And what if the second step is successful? If the third step isn't successful, what does that give you? Data. Yes. What do you yes. do with data? You learn, you learn something <laughs> from data. It's a, everything is an experiment anyway. I mean, hell, your whole your entire life is an experiment. So what happens when you experiment and it goes completely south? Wow, wasn't that interesting? Radical acceptance, non-judgment, hmm, well, let's see. I learned that I really don't like being a waitress or I really enjoy working at a bank and managing other people's money or this entrepreneurial thing is freaking awesome and I wanna do more of it. I mean, there's any number of data that can come your way from an experiment. Oh, absolutely. And what you absolutely. choose to do with that information is entirely up to you.
1: You know what what's interesting is so I I did not start out the gate with public speaking. It was actually one of the things that I was most fearful of. And I I remember having a conversation with my coach and, and I kid you not, she, she mentioned it in like 2019. She's like Kishan, you know, you really want to start to expand your level of comfort in social settings. You know, just get out, get amongst people and, and do
0: oh. things. She said, expand your level of comfort. Not leave your comfort zone, but yeah. expand it. Just expand yes. expand it.
1: <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, and that sounds good. She says, No, listen, it's an organization called Toastmasters. You should join. It took me almost two years after she mentioned that, to just say, you know what, why not give it a shot? And when I did, oh my
0: God, <laughs> you can't shut me up now. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny. I was on a call this morning from a woman in Kazakhstan who joined Toastmasters, and now she's applying for this job at an embassy. She's so oh my excited gosh. about it. Yeah, because of Toastmasters.
1: It does amazing things. It does amazing things. It's truly transformative. But it all started with the yes. I could have continued to kick that pail down the road. It's like, no, well, it's not for me. I'll find another way to expand my comfort zone. She doesn't know what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and what I love about that is it took her nudges and a pandemic to where I'm thinking, I need people. I need <laughs> not a lot of people because I'm introverted and I'm, I'm understanding. But I need to see other faces than my kids at this point. Like show me people, and I go and I'm I'm just I kind of dove in with a bit of intentionality, but with the art of let me see what this can open up. And I think that kind of curiosity does all kinds of wonderful things. It's like, Mm -hmm. just go see. Yeah. Just go
0: see. It makes your brain look for ways to make it work instead of you saying, this isn't going to work. And your brain looking for ways that it won't work. Yep. You've reframed it beforehand. So your brain has no choice but to find ways to make it succeed. (laughs) I agree. Yes. Okay, so the people who are hearing you right now who want to know more, who want maybe to book a session with you, how would they do that? How would they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, my website is probably the best option. NextStepForwardCoach.com.
0: NextStepForwardCoach.com? Um, yes. Got it. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Kashawn, this has been a fantastic conversation, and I know that people are going to get a lot out of this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having
1: me, Cami. This was a great conversation. I love it.
0: For more good juju, visit Cami.coach. C-A-M-I.coach.